0: Welcome to Streams from the River, the podcast from the River Church RVA with pastor teacher Michael Kraft. I know you'll be blessed by the teaching today, so open your hearts and let's get straight into today's message. Relationships are important, right? We're here today because our relationship with God is important, our relationship with one another is important. I started a series last week called Building Healthy Relationships, and the message that I gave last week is relationships are a matter of life and death, because we were created for relationships, right? And so all the world and everything goes against us having relationships, or if we do have relationships, they're not always the healthiest of relationships, right? And so I'm going to be talking over the course of the summer about building healthy relationships with. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about how to build a healthy relationship with God. In a couple of weeks, we'll talk about building a healthy relationship with yourself. How many of you know that's important? All right. Our, re- our relationships with others are a reflection of our relationship with ourselves. And so we're going to go in and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our relationship with the community. Sometimes I think we forget about that part because... We're trying to get a strong relationship with God. Sometimes we're trying to... (laughs) How many of you have a great relationship with yourself? You've been, like I said last week, look in the mirror and say, God loves you. Have any of you done that? Okay. It might feel strange, but to look in the mirror and see that face and say, you know what? Jesus loves you. And if you can say that with conviction and believe it, all right? then you're prepared to share it with somebody else, all right? Because you know what? At the end of the day, a healthy relationship with God and a healthy relationship with one another should lead to a healthy relationship with our community, all right? And as the church, we've kind of gotten hid inside the four walls. But you know what? When the church is healthy, we have an impact, a healthy impact in the community in which we live, all right? And that's what I'm after. I think, I believe that's what you're after too. So if you have your Bibles, I'm not going to make you travel a whole lot this morning. Open them up to the book of Hebrews, all right? Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at verse 6 as we talk about the importance of developing a healthy relationship with God, all right? So I believe that, you know, in Genesis, it's the book of beginnings, and you can see that when God first created Adam and Eve, They were in the the garden and God was walking with them in the cool of the day. It doesn't say anything about them punching in on the time clocks and getting off at five o'clock and going home and doing their thing. And the evening was their evening. They had an evening service with God every day, you know. It doesn't, doesn't say that. I mean, I believe that we were created for a relationship with God and that is supposed to be the healthiest relationship that we have. So let's go ahead and read this in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, okay? Because if you, well, let's just read it. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you're going to have a healthy relationship with God, how many of you think it's important to believe that he is? Okay, That's a a starting point for all of us. The first thing is for us to believe that he is, can I say this? Not to believe that he was, okay? To have a healthy relationship with God, he who comes to God must believe that he is, all right? That he is, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is, we don't worship a God who was, Okay, that's important for us to know. You know, when Jesus was taken up in Acts, you know, after uh, he said the Holy Spirit's gonna come, today's Pentecost, he says, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. After he said that, it says that he was taken up into heaven and the angel said the same Jesus that you see ascending into heaven is going to come in like manner. Guess what? He is alive today. He is coming again. He is, all right? He is the same today today. Yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. And I'll tell you what, he's waiting for us as a church to grow up, man, and just to live in an expectation, making every day count for eternity. He is. We must believe that he is. Um, Do you know that 75%, 75% of Americans believe in God, all right? And about 2.4% of people identify themselves as atheists. But not everyone who believes in God believes in the God of the Bible. All right, there's a a new Pew study that was done, and it says that only one third of Americans say they believe in the God of the Bible. All right, but they do not. But let me go back. But they do believe that there is some other higher power or spiritual force a slim majority 56% say they believe in the in the god as described in the bible and 1 in 10 don't believe in any higher power at all listen if people are believing in god they need a revelation of who god is all right he's the god of the bible all right it's his word it says that he has exalted his word above his name i mean his word is true there's there's life in his word, all right? It gives us a picture of who God is and it tells us how we can begin to enter into a not only a relationship with God, but a healthy relationship with God. You cannot have a healthy relationship with God if you're not fully convinced that he is and that he is who he says he is in his word, right? So if you believe God is It's important what you believe about God, right? It plays a big part in your relationship with God. What is God like? What's what's his nature? Is God good or is he evil? I believe that you are, okay? I believe each and every one of you who are here, I believe that you are. (laughs) But I don't know your nature. I don't know your character. It's It would take some time to do that, right? You can believe that God is, but if you don't know his nature and you don't know his character, how many of you know that can have some bearing on your relationship with him? Okay. So I want to know if you're going to have a healthy relationship, you have to ask yourself the question, what is God like? What's he like? When I was growing up, man, I God was hellfire and brimstone, you know? And I came to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't know the true nature of God. And one of my greatest prayers for years is, God, I want to know what you're like. I want to know your nature. If I understand the character of God, it helps me to enter into a relationship because I know the God who is. Who is he, all right? What's he like? For a lot of people, God is an angry, wrathful, distant, unknowable being, all right. How many of you have ever known God that way? A couple folks, right? I mean, if if you're over a certain age, that's what was preached in the church, right? I mean, if you read in the Old Testament, you see the wrath of God. But what we don't realize is that the wrath of God has always been poured out upon sin. And every time in the Bible that you read about the wrath of God, it's always preceded by the prophetic word of a prophet who's gone and warned the people, warned them to repent. God has always provided ample because he pours out. God doesn't like sin. How many of you like sin? All right. And so we want to know the character of God. It's, it's important to know. Hebrews 13.8 says that he's the same Yesterday, today, and forever. So our perspective of who God is has to line up with what the Bible says if you're in that 56% of Bible-believing Americans, all right? So when you were born again, when you were born again, when Jesus was on the cross, man, uh, the penalty for our sin was poured out upon Jesus, all of it. So when you're born again, you're a new creation in Christ. Guess what? God sees you the same way that he sees Jesus. He sees you the same way that he sees Jesus because we've died and our life is now hidden in Christ with God. Amen. So that has a a bearing on our relationship with God. It's important for us to know what God's posture is towards us. How do you think that he sees you? Do you think that he gets up and you've had a bad day? Do you ever think that God has a bad day in heaven? You know, I just don't feel like being God today. You know, he has a nature. He has a character. He has a posture. And God's posture God's attitude, his demeanor, his stance, the way that he truly is towards you is always, only, and continually love. All right? John 3.16 says, For God so, what, hated the world that he gave his only son? No, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever, not just the good people, Whoever believes in him would have eternal life. In Hebrews 1, it tells us that that Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of God. Jesus said in John 14, he says to Philip, Philip says, show us the Father, show us the Father. And Philip says, listen, he who has seen me, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, how can you say, show us the Father? So the entire book of 1 John, especially chapter 4, is a revelation to you and I of the nature of God. Okay? So if you don't see in Jesus an angry, unapproachable, distant God, then I believe that we need to reframe our picture of who God is. All right? It's gotten, if we believe in the God of the Bible, He is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, okay? So we need to reframe our picture so that it looks like God. You know, when the Bible says that his nature is love, it's talking about the word agape, right? And I know if you're a member here, we talk about that all the time because that's really a life message for me. But the word agape is a Greek word. It was seldom used, uh, during the time that Jesus lived in Greek literature. But it means what? It means a sacrificial love, all right? Over the years, I've kind of developed my own definition of agape as I've looked through the scriptures and prayed. And to me, agape is a love. It's not a feeling. It is a a value that values others so highly that it loses sight of itself. You follow me? God's love is a love that is so high. He values you so highly that he loses sight of himself. That's the agape of God. And then willingly and joyfully chooses to sacrifice for the benefit of others without regard for any personal gain. That's the agape love of God. We, and sometimes we need we, we get a picture of that in Jesus. But, you know, just this past week, there was a tragedy that took place in Virginia Beach. All right. Twelve individuals were, were horribly murdered in the, in the municipal center in Virginia Beach. And this gentleman right here, Ryan Keith Cox, when this event took place, He wasn't thinking about himself. The first thing he thought about is how do I help others? And he helped eight individuals. He went out and he brought them into a safe place. His instinct was to save, not to save self, but to save others. And he said this, he said, when he had these eight individuals, he said, listen, you're safe now. Stay here, stay quiet, you know. I've got to go back and check on others. That's the agape of God. Mr. Cox is a hero, isn't he? He gave the ultimate sacrifice. He valued others as more highly than himself, willingly and joyfully chose to sacrifice for the benefit of others without regard of what that would mean for him that's a picture of the agape of God. And the Bible says that that love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, you see? That's the love of God. Do you know that that's the type of love that God has? Because Jesus sacrificed himself for you because guess what? Sin is literally killing us. We weren't created to die The wages of sin is death. Sin is killing us. Jesus came with the agape of God and saved and rescued us. And I believe that he's saying, you're safe now. You're safe now. Stay here. Stay in this place that I brought you. I've got to go. I've got to go and find others. And God's doing that. He's finding others through you and I. We're his church. We're his body. And he's called us to love others the same way that he's loved us. The same way that Mr. Cox, who was, a, a, I think he was a worship leader in his father's church, you know. Love that is not a love that is in action is not a love at all. Okay? The agape of God. It's not just an emotion. It's, It's an action, all right? So relationship with God must be really important based on the price that Jesus paid. Jesus spread out his arms on the cross to save you, to save me. He must think an awful lot of our relationship with him if that's the price that he paid in order to bring us back into a place of fellowship with him. Amen? All right. So you've got to be fully convinced that he is, that he's the God of the Bible, and you need to be convinced of his character. You need to be convinced of his nature in order to have a healthy relationship with God. Amen? So back to Hebrews chapter Eleven. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently what? Who diligently seek him. Part of a healthy relationship is seeking. Okay? It's not just longing or a desire. That doesn't necessarily require any action, but seeking is a verb. Seeking is is something that we engage in. If you want to have a healthy relationship with God, you must believe that he is. You've got to understand his nature, his character, his posture towards you, and knowing that, we seek him, okay? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him, and we... How many of you are seeking God? all right? Praise God. That's a part of a healthy relationship. It means to go in search of, to try to find, to discover by searching, taking the initiative. In this case, if you believe that God is, he's the God of the Bible, if you believe that his nature, his posture towards you is always only and continually love, to me, the natural response to that is to seek him. I want to know him, all right? That's what Paul cried out. I want to know him, all right? And so here's some examples of seeking, all right? When Jesus was 12 years old, they took an annual trip to Jerusalem. And they went to Jerusalem, spent some time there. Then on the way back, day three, all of a sudden they discover that Jesus is missing. Do you think that they sought for him? Do you think that they were seeking for him? Or do you just think they said a prayer, God, send Jesus home? You know, they they went back, they sought diligently. I think that's a picture of the seeking that God desires for us to have in order to have a healthy relationship with him. It's more than a longing. It's more than a, a desire. There is, there is a, action involved in our part in order to have a healthy relationship with jesus jesus in john chapter 10 he leaves the 99 and goes in search seeking for the one who's missing right seeking for the one who's lost and when he finds it he rejoices how long does he seek he seeks until he finds how long did mary and joseph seek they sought him until he find till they found him right you know, the the, the parables of the, of the lost coin or the pearl, uh, how long did they seek? They sought him until they found him. You and I, man, we should be seeking God until we find him. I've been seeking God with all of my heart for 40 years. I found him, but the more that I find him, the more that I want to seek him. Because the more I know his character and his posture, and the more that I desire to be like him. All right? So in the Berean church, when they listened to the preaching of Paul, it says that they were more noble than others because they sought the scriptures to see if the things that Paul said were true. Okay? So it takes effort. It takes initiative to have a healthy relationship with God. Jesus sought us all the way to the cross. How much are you willing to sacrifice to seek him? He's a rewarder of those who seek him. You see, if you thought that God was a, um, if you didn't know his character, if you thought he was angry, or if you thought he was, would you be seeking him? (laughs) Only if you wanted to be like a roasted marshmallow or something like that. but knowing his character, knowing his nature, man, it just causes something to rise up on the inside. I want to know him. I want to seek him. Why? The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those that seek him, right? Matthew 7, seek and you will find, right? Knock and the door will be open. Ask and it will be given. So who is it that we're seeking? Who is it that we're seeking? What is it that we're seeking? Okay. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right? So who are we seeking? We're seeking him, right? So guess what the reward is? If we're to seek him, who are we going to find? Him. (laughs) So the reward is him. The reward is knowing him. In uh, Genesis, God spoke to Abraham and he said this, he says, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. You know, sometimes we seek the hand of God instead of his face. He is our exceedingly great reward. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? That means seek first a relationship with him. And when you desire more than anything else a relationship with him, you will seek him, you will find him, and he will be your exceedingly great reward. I wish I had words to say, how great thou art. How great the reward of his presence and knowing him is. It's changed the lives of everyone Who's truly known him? When you read the rest of Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the, the, the chapter of the heroes of faith. Man, these are individuals who lost sight of themselves. And they pursued God. They were obedient to God. And you can re-read about the exploits and the mighty ways that God used them because they lost sight of themselves and there was only one thing that was important. And that was a deep, abiding relationship with God that affected their lives and affected the lives of everyone around them. I want to be infected with something like that. How about you? I just want to be affected with that. So he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not a historical intellectual relationship with God, the God who did things 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about a living relationship with a God who is just as much alive today as the day that he was raised from the dead. That's the relationship that is available to you and I if we believe If we believe the Bible and we diligently seek him, we will find that he is our exceeding great reward, all right? So, Christianity is not, hear what I'm saying, what I'm not saying, okay? The priority is not about going to heaven. It's about having a relationship with him. It's about having a deep, abiding, personal, uh, intimate, continually growing relationship with the Father. The same relationship that's available to you in heaven is available to you right now on earth. It's available right now. We just have to get past flesh, you know. But when you were born again, you became a citizen of the kingdom. We say, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. Man, it is just as possible for you and I to walk with God in the cool of the day, every moment of every day as it was for Adam and Eve in creation. God has restored everything that was lost. It's been found in relationship with Jesus. That's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. So we're talking about having a healthy relationship with him. Again, in Hebrews eleven six, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. How many of you know to have a healthy relationship? It's a relationship that should be pleasing to both parties, right? That always helps. If it's only pleasing to one person who's having a healthy relationship. All right. When I first got married to Mel, happy birthday. When we got married, it was happy birthday to me. All right. (laughs) It was happy birthday to me. Because, man, I saw in Melanie a godly woman. And, you know, the level of love that I had experienced in my dysfunctional family growing up was here. It was like here, right? For Melanie, the, the level of love that she experienced growing up was like here. Okay, And so when we got married, we went here, which means I went to heaven and she went to hell, (laughs) so to speak, all right, because I had experienced in Melanie a love that I had never, ever, ever experienced before. And Mel found in me a love (laughs) that she had never, ever (laughs) experienced (laughs) before. in my journey, okay, of transformation. We've been married 43 years now, okay? I like to think, at least in my imagination, all right, that we started here. I started here. I like to think that we're up here, okay? I like to think that. I want to believe that, all right? We've come a long, long way. (laughs) Some of you are smiling because you've experienced that too, haven't you? But isn't God good? Because, you know, he finds his value in who we are, not in our performance. The value of our relationship with him is not based on our performance. I'm so glad that Melanie's relationship with me was not based on my dysfunctional performance for many years. She saw the value that God has placed. In me. And you know what? God sees a value in you. And like I said, sometimes we're our own worst enemy because we judge our relationship with God the same way that we judge ourselves. We look at our own performance instead of what Christ accomplished in his performance on the cross. And we fail to enter into the fullness of the relationship that's available. We don't boldly come before his throne of grace because we see it as a throne of performance, a throne of judgment, but it's a throne of grace. And man, if we'll ever get a revelation of that, will enter into that relationship. And guess what? We're transformed into the image and the likeness of those that we spend the most time with. Have you ever noticed how husbands and wives look alike sometimes? I was actually looking online. Do you know how similar many parents or how, how many dogs and their owners look alike? <laughs> We come, we're either attracted to people who look like us or there's something about the life that we spend together. You know, there's something about laughing at the same things or going through the same life's experience that over the course of time causes us to resemble one another. I like to think the more time that we spend with him, the more time that we spend in his presence, the healthier our relationship with, his, with him is, the more that we begin to look like him. Not his dog, <laughs> but his sons and his daughters, amen? That's who he's called us to be, all right? So I don't know where I am right now. So the relationship has to be pleasing. Pleasing relationships are important. Nobody wants to have a relationship with someone that's miserable, boring, dull, or just plain annoying, <laughs> Or a relationship that's just bound out of duty. Okay? That is not that is a relationship, but it's not a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship with God is, is a relationship that is pleasing to God and pleasing to you. So back to Hebrews 11. How do we please God? Without faith, it's impossible to please God? How many of you want to have a healthy relationship with God? How many of you want to be pleasing to God? Hey, the secret's right here. The secret is right here. Yeah. Faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that there's two things. In order to have a healthy relationship with God, it says that only by faith can we please him. And then the Bible tells us the two things that we have to believe in order to have a healthy relationship. It's right there in Hebrews chapter 11. You don't have to have faith in the whole Bible. I do. But to have a healthy relationship with God, it requires two things. It has faith in believing two things. What are they? One, that he is. Not that he was. He is. And he is who he says that he is in the Bible. What's the other thing? Have faith that when you seek him, that you will be rewarded with him. Isn't that cool? Sometimes we feel in our Christian life like we're playing, uh, you know, hide and seek, and we're seeking but never finding. But can I tell you? Don't be weary in your seeking. Man, what pleases God is faith. Sometimes I think we're looking for a physical manifestation. And what God says is, believe my word. Believe that I am who I say that I am. Believe that my word tells you who I am. And believe that you are who I say you are. Man, when we come into agreement with God, that's pleasing. And can I tell you, it'll bring a whole lot more joy into your life too. If I continue to disqualify myself based on my my performance, I'm not going to have a healthy relationship with God, but it's not God's fault. I'm looking through a glass darkly, and I need to take those glasses off so that I can see him face to face. And we see him face to face through his word by faith. All right? Cool. So, what's faith? what is faith? It's not just believing, it's more than believing. I like what um, Weist has a, uh, a commentary of Greek New Testament words. Here's his definition of faith, all right? According to Weist word studies of the Greek New Testament, faith is a fully convinced, self-surrendering, unwavering trust in a revelation of God's grace through Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. It's more than mental assent. It's more than just believing. It is a fully convinced, I mean, fully convinced, not 50-50, okay? Fully convinced, self-surrendering, unwavering trust In a revelation of the unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor of God. It's being fully convinced of God's overwhelming pleasure to lavish his goodness, his mercy, and his love upon you. That's what's pleasing to God. Do you believe that in your heart today? Can you say that you are fully convinced, fully surrendered, unwavering in your belief that God loves you? That his greatest desire is to lavish upon you his mercy. His goodness and his grace. You see, when we talk about grace, when we say it's the unearned, unmerited, undeserved, those are three descriptions of, they they all start with un, okay? They tell us that we don't. So what's the opposite? If you look in the Greek, there's a part of the word favor that has to do with the pleasure of God. You see, it's his favor because at the root of his favor is pleasure, okay? It's God's overwhelming, incomprehensible pleasure to lavish upon you. Let that sink in for a moment. Lavish upon you. Where you are right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, God's posture towards you is just to lavish his goodness. Lavish his mercy. Do you need his mercy? It's available to you. To lavish His love upon you. You receive that by faith. And guess what? Man, that's when you enter into that place where your relationship with God is healthy. It's pleasing to him. And guess what? It becomes pleasing to you as well. Because his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. All right? So Galatians 5, 6 tells us that what faith works The faith that pleases God works by love. Okay. And 1 John 4.19 says that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Isn't that cool? I mean, the faith that God is looking for that pleases him comes as a result of our receiving a revelation of the love that he has for us. The natural response to that is the faith that pleases him. Does that make any sense? The more that you realize your value to God, not based on your performance, but based on what Christ has done on the cross, man, the more you realize that, the more you're free from you. (laughs) The more you're free from you, the more you're free for Him. All right. And the good thing is, it doesn't cost you anything either. That's good news, right? So, okay, finally. Um, if you're going to have a healthy relationship with God, it requires something. It requires knowing the things that we've talked about, but it also requires, oh, hit the wrong thing. A healthy relationship requires time. Okay. All healthy relationships require time. How would your relationship be with your best friend if you only spent a couple of hours with him or her a week? What if your best friend, Because we're talking about a healthy relationship with God, he said in Hebrews 13, 8, he said he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. You know what? That means he's with you all the time. He's with you all the time. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, it says, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Okay? What does it look like if your relationship with God only involves two of 168 hours a week? I looked it up. There's 168 hours in a week. Anybody know that? You do the math, it's easy, okay? 24 times seven. But he says he'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. He asks us to acknowledge him in all of our ways. When we know his posture, when we know his nature, we, we know his character, when we're diligently seeking after him, man, there's a relationship that's growing and it's more than two out of 168 hours a week. All right. Man, we need to meditate upon him all of the time. Just real quick in closing, what are some things, what are some ways that we can provide quality time and develop this healthy relationship with God, okay? Um, Okay, right, here we go, okay. To develop a healthy relationship with God, it takes communication, right? We need to... Read our read the Bible, because that's God's word to us. That's how he speaks to us, primarily, and through the Holy Spirit. And when you read God's word, please do this. Take it personally. Take it personally. It's God's word to you, okay? And then a healthy relationship requires communication. It's a two-way thing, so we need to talk to God. We, that's what prayer is. It's talking to God. But can I tell you, there's another part of communication and it's called listening. Okay. One of the things I did in our relationship for way too long is too much talking. I've learned the value of a relationship when you do more listening or you do as much listening as you do talking. Y'all hear the thing about the two ears and the one mouth so you can should listen twice as much as you talk. It's really too true. You know, we should be listening to God. To have a healthy relationship, man, find someone who's a little bit further ahead in their relationship with God and see if you can enter into a discipleship relationship. River community groups are a great place to do that. Or if you're mature in the faith, man, find someone that you can disciple who will come alongside. That Helps them develop a relationship and it also inspires and causes your relationship to be deeper. All right. And then, probably one of the number one ways to enter into a healthy relationship with God, share the love of Jesus with others. There is nothing like giving away what you receive so freely that develops a healthy relationship. There are times where, man, I feel high and dry, and the best thing I can do is go serve someone go give them the very thing that i feel that's lacking in my life and there's not been a single time that i've gone out to serve someone else begin to value someone as more highly than myself put myself in a position where i'm willing and joyfully going to serve and sacrifice i mean you know it's not a sacrifice if you feel like doing it i mean it can be but do you follow what i'm saying It's those times when you don't feel, but you still value the individual and you choose to sacrifice for their benefit. Man, I'm telling you, joy comes. (laughs) Pleasure comes. Man, you can build a relationship that way. All right? So a healthy relationship with God is reflected by our healthy relationships with other people. 1 John 4, 20. You cannot say, God, I love you and hate your brother. Okay? So let me ask you this, this morning, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? When you think about your relationship with God, what are you going to do? Here's four answers. Nothing. I'm glad the service is about over. (laughs) You can tell where I was feeling when I was kind of doing the PowerPoints here, you know. It's like, man, I'm glad the service is about over. Or I'm going to think about it. You know, good ideas, but really life is busy. Some neat thoughts, you know. Or I might, I might talk about it. I said, that was an interesting chat. But how many of you know it's easier to talk about a relationship than it is to actually have one? Okay. Or you can make it a priority. You can make it a priority today to make a decision to diligently seek him. Thanks for listening to Streams from the River from the River Church RVA in Chester, Virginia. If you've been blessed by the message and would like to connect deeper with the River Church RVA, please visit our website at riverchurchrva.com or you can send us an email, share your testimonies, prayer requests, or general correspondence to family at riverchurchrva.com. Again, that's family at riverchurchrva.com. Have a blessed day, and we look forward to being with you again next time right here on Streams from the River.